Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode seven, actually holistic. As always, it's a gift to be here in the container of awareness offerings with you. If you'd like to support the show, the most straightforward way you can do that is by rating and leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And of course, if you feel called to share, just pure open-hearted gratitude if you choose to do so. So let's start with our traditional opening ritual, singing the sound of Om together one time, calling in consciousness, as we always do to begin these podcasts. Om is said to be the vibration of consciousness. It's the sound that means consciousness. It is the hum, the vibration of awareness that animates everything in the universe. And so in the awareness offering space, we want to call that deep wild awareness right here to us. And that's what we do when we sing OM. So feel free to do this silently or out loud. If you're coming along, feel free to get your body into a comfortable and open position. And if you'd like, you can close your eyes or gaze softly at the floor if either of those are comfortable. If they're not, no worries, especially if you're doing something that would make it dangerous for you to close your eyes. Please don't do that. So let's take a full and deep breath in through the nose if possible. Full exhale, clearing the path for consciousness. And inhale to begin one tone of om. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into some discussion. And I want to begin this discussion by talking about the concept of duality, specifically from the perspective of yoga philosophy. What I've been taught about duality is that it refers to all of the different kind of dichotomies in the world, in, in our lives, in existence. It refers to the fact that there are usually kind of two sides to every coin. These equal, opposing, opposite forces like you know, light and darkness, hot and cold, good and bad. And yoga philosophy teaches that duality is one of the fundamental facts of our existence, but it is not the deepest reality. It's real. We can't really deny it or escape from it, nor should, should we, right? It's part of being in the world that we will experience duality. But we're taught on the spiritual path, on the path of yoga, that there's something a little bit deeper than that. Beyond the chaos of the push and pull of opposing forces, there's wholeness. There is a merging, an integration, somewhere that these opposing forces balance. 
and become union, become wholeness, become oneness. In fact, the word yoga translates from Sanskrit as union. So yoga refers to the integration of duality and this merging into oneness. And so yoga teaches us that duality is real. It exists, but it's not the deepest reality. And I share that because there is a dualism, a sense of duality that seems to have formed in spiritual communities, yoga communities, wellness communities, all these different but very intertwined well-being communities. There's this duality that seems to have formed around all different kinds of healing and all different kinds of well-being and really just formed around how we choose to heal and be well and take care of ourselves. There is this duality that has arisen. And I want to go ahead and give you a heads up that this uh, this conversation is also going to happen in the context of COVID-19. I will be talking about COVID-19. I will be talking about vaccinations. Um, so if this is a heavy subject for you or not one that you want to engage with, this might be an episode to skip. But I am going to speak about COVID. Because even before COVID-19, things like self-healing and alternative medicine were associated with the word holistic. For example, you know, um, acupuncture and energy healing and crystal healing, uh, all of those different types of modalities were typically, it, it was just assumed and kind of generally accepted that those fell under the term holistic. So this is not something that's new, and especially in the age of social media where Individual people have more power than ever to drive the narrative about what is true and what things mean. Um, the word holistic has already been pretty heavily associated ex exclusively with alternative healing um, and just more kind of practices of well-being that are rooted in kind of the internal and the mystical and the metaphysical. All of those things have been very traditionally associated with the word holistic. And like I said, this was already happening before the pandemic, but this COVID-19 pandemic that we have been navigating and are continuing to navigate seems to have only exacerbated this duality that has formed. Because I, And I say duality because it's gotten so pronounced that we are now at a point where there's a very sharp split. It's almost as if it's become pretty generally accepted that there's either holistic healing or traditional healing. It's an either or concept. You're either healing holistically, healing through quote unquote natural means, whatever that might mean to, to you or to whomever, or you're healing through traditional medicine, traditional systems. There's a duality, right? It's, it's, it's looked at as if they're two sides of, uh, two opposing sides of the coin. Right? So that's what I mean when I say that um, there seems to be a duality that has formed a, around the concept of holism and holistic healing. And I want to address that today because I'm wondering, I'm curious if that's actually a mistake. And so to explore that a bit, I did, a very, I did some very light research around the etymology, around the origins of the word holistic. It was coined in the 1920s by a South African soldier and statesman whose name was Jan Christian Smuts. I apologize in advance if I have mispronounced that. But his definition of holistic, the original definition of holistic, at least as we kind of understand the concept today, is... 
the tendency in nature to form wholes that are greater than the sum of the parts through creative evolution. Again, first definition of holistic, the tendency in nature to form wholes that are greater than the sum of the parts through creative evolution. And from my understanding, from the research that I did, pretty quickly after this term was coined and disseminated into the mainstream consciousness, it began to influence healing. It began to influence medicine and well-being. And it shifted the way that we treat people, especially illness, and we began to take up a whole person approach. And I found this really interesting that the word holistic didn't even start as a definition of different modalities, different ways of healing. Instead, it's sort of a broader definition. It's not even about how we're healing. It's about who we're healing. It's about whole person healing is what holistic traditionally means. And that's a concept that's pretty close to my heart because I am a student of humanistic psychology. That is the discipline that I studied when I got my undergraduate undergraduate degree in psychology. And humanistic psychology is the school of Carl Rogers, Rollo May, person-centered therapy. So if we're speaking about it in the lens of a therapist-client relationship, the therapist is looking at the client in the context of all of their experiences and in the context of their environment. And that's a really reductionist definition. There's, it's a lot deeper than that, but that's kind of the, the, the quick definition I can give you here for this podcast. Um, and as I study social work, right now I'm in graduate school to become a licensed clinical social worker, that concept of continuously viewing the client, viewing the people we work with, the people we serve in the space of therapy in the context of their whole self, all the systems they're a part of, their environment, it is only become more and more of a factor in my studies. And so this this definition of holistic being about sitting with folks in their wholeness, treating, quote unquote, treating or being with or, you know, helping the whole person, it's really meaningful to me. And it's leading me to the conclusion that this this false duality And I already gave away, I gave away my conclusion because what I'm trying to say, I used the word false already. I wasn't going to use it yet, but it just came out. I gave away the the punchline because what I'm basically saying is the positioning of holism and holistic healing as an alternative, as an opposite to traditional science, traditional healing, traditional medicine. It's a false choice. It's a false choice. And I'll dive in a little bit deeper to, to what that choice kind of looks and feels like in my view right now. Um, and I'm just one person and I'm going to start to get into the subject of COVID and vaccines a little bit more. And so, you know, this is coming from my experience, my, my, my studies, what I've learned and my heart um, and my, you know, my discussion and unpacking of it is not the definitive answer. This is just sort of me sitting where I'm at and offering you what I have. Um, But when I think about this duality, this false choice that has emerged between holistic healing or traditional healing, of course, I think about vaccinations. I think about the fact that, you know, in the spiritual community, especially on social media, because again, social media has given folks more and more power and agency to drive the narrative more than ever. So especially folks on social media who are also in the spiritual community, 
if they are against vaccination, a lot of the time the, the line of thinking is that, well, I don't need this quote unquote chemical, something that they view as unnatural because I have natural ways of healing. I have yoga, I have nutrition, I have energy healing, I have crystal healing, whatever, you know, there's all, there's a wide variety of different alternative healing modalities. So typically someone who's against a vaccine will say, well, I have this alternative healing modality, so I don't need this traditional modality, this this vaccine that comes from the system of traditional medicine. And I completely understand there are absolutely valid reasons to mistrust the medical system, especially for marginalized people. And that mostly, my understanding mostly applies to marginalized people, especially black folks who have been um, taken advantage of, abused, and harmed by the medical system. There are absolutely reasons to mistrust it. That is valid. And on the other end of the spectrum, I am absolutely a proponent of these more quote-unquote natural or esoteric, metaphysical, um, mystical, spiritual healing modalities. I am a yoga teacher. I am a yoga teacher of seven years. I'm a practitioner of eight years. I'm an integrative counselor who uses yoga and meditation in my counseling practice. I'm a meditation teacher and practitioner. Um, I think I've listed, I think I said meditation twice, but that's just to demonstrate to you how all in I am with um, inward facing, sacred, spiritually based well-being practices. That is the foundation of my life. So I am very curious and open to both ends of this spectrum, right? There's that duality coming up where I understand the mistrust and I am so all about um, sort of the mystical healing practices. But I'm still sitting in this position where I believe that presenting this choice between the deeper, not deeper, sorry, because it's all deep. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But between the alternative healing modalities, or the traditional medical interventions, I still think it's a false choice. And it goes back to that definition of the word holistic, because that first definition uses the word holes, it talks about the tendency of nature to form holes. And so if we're thinking holistically, we're thinking in terms of the whole, which means that alternative healing, and I don't love the word alternative healing. It's, it feels like the best phrase I can use to describe modalities like yoga, meditation, energy medicine. So know that that's what I mean. But this definition of holistic as the tendency toward the whole means that alternative healing is not actually the opposite of traditional healing. It means they are both encompassed as part of the whole. So to suggest that holistic healing is exclusive to alternative medicine is a mistake because if we're thinking in terms of wholeness, it means holism encompasses these alternative healing and well-being modalities, these kind of spiritual healing practices and traditional interventions, traditional medicine, dare I say, vaccination. 
So I think we might be getting caught in the falseness of duality, which again, yoga philosophy says is a part of our lives. We don't have to shame ourselves for that. We don't have to judge ourselves for that. We don't have to get into anger over that. But I think we might be getting caught in duality when we think about holistic healing as its own kind of alternative space, as opposed to holism as encompassing both the kind of mystical practices and the traditional clinical interventions. And I think that opens up a lot of space for us. First of all, it opens up a lot of space for those of us, me included, like I said, I am still a wild mystical practitioner, um, but it opens up space for us to be able to embrace the wildness and the mysticism and embrace the gifts of traditional medicine without having to feel like we are somehow a bad yogi or not a spiritual person or a poser or we're living in falseness because we believe in diving into, you know, for example, awareness of our chakra system to learn about ourselves and grow. And we believe in taking, you know, listening to the advice of well-trained, well-studied public health officials who've been preparing our, who've been preparing their whole lives to be of service in a moment just like this one. That doesn't make us false. And in fact, believing that it does is getting caught in that duality. Perhaps embracing both the traditional interventions of, of clinical science and the wild mystical practices um, of the traditions that we love actually makes us whole. Perhaps it is actually yoga when we lean into holistic in that kind of way. And that leads me to my firm belief that if whole, if wholeness is the deepest nature of reality, that kind of means that wholeness is the source of everything. And again, I'm just one person. You don't have to feel the same. But in, in my train of thought, I'm getting to the place where I'm feeling like wholeness, if it's the deepest reality, it's the source of everything. It is wholeness is synonymous with the sacred, with the divine, maybe even with God or whatever words you like to use for your relationship to the divine. But if wholeness is the nature of reality, it's the source of everything. Which means that... The yoga, the breath, the nutrition, the crystal healing, the meditation, it's from the same source as the vaccinations, as the public health officials, as the guidance that we get from medical science and research and, um, you know, infectious disease researchers, right? Both from the same source. And if they're both from the same source, that means one is just as sacred as the other. And again, for me, or at least in my, in my view, from my lens, uh, and thank you for being willing to just be in my head and, and look at things through my lens for a few minutes, but from my lens, there is a tremendous freedom and openness and curiosity in that, in that kind of wholeness. And so now we're done talking about it. It's time to embody it. This is where we'll go into guided practice. I'll guide a meditation to help us embody that spirit of holism, which is the essence of yoga and indeed the essence of the universe in a body-based 
breath-based way on the deepest levels we got now we're going to embody that wholeness so if you're coming along for meditation i will invite you to find your way into a comfortable seat if you're doing another task like driving or cleaning whatever it might be this might be a great time to pause and come back when you're able to sit so a comfortable seat as always means any seat as long as you can find some length in your spine and that your spine is upright just to avoid falling asleep if you need to sleep no judgment but typically we try to be conscious in meditation so spine upright spine spacious the spine is the center line of the body so things can just flow well when the spine is spacious you could find your spacious spine by sitting on the ground if you do so i would highly suggest you sit on a cushion or a pillow or a towel or a blanket just lift your hips up higher than your knees which will give your hips and your lower back a little more space you could sit with your legs crossed. You don't have to. You could extend your legs. You could bend your knees and sit on your heels. You could put your feet on the ground. You also don't have to sit on the floor. You could sit in a chair, sit on your bed, sit with your back against the wall. The only things you need to consider are, is my spine upright and spacious? However else you position your arms, legs, body, it's up to you. As you settle into your seat for meditation, know that you can take care of your body. You can move if you need to, adjust if you need to, especially if you're so uncomfortable that that is the biggest thing in your reality and you can't really focus on the practice. Feel free to move and take care throughout this practice. But as you settle into your seat, I'll invite you to close your eyes or gaze softly at the floor. Just turning your awareness toward yourself in a way that's comfortable and supportive to you. Please soften your jaw. Take a moment to roll your shoulders up, back, and down so that they settle a little further down and backward and the center of your chest lifts and you start this practice for wholeness in the posture of an open heart. And then I'll invite you wherever your arms are to turn your palms to face up, resting the backs of your hands on your legs, your knees, wherever. This is a posture of receiving, of openness. So you start to open to the, to the practice. You open to the possibility of a deeper relationship to the present moment and to wholeness through meditation, just by turning your palms up. And we'll settle in really simply with just intentional breath awareness, if you can, starting to notice the dance of inhalation and expansion Exhalation and gentle contraction. Nothing you have to do or change, just watching that dance happen. Our days are so often filled with so much doing. So this is a shift where you get to move into a little more witnessing, which is one of the ways we go into meditation, just witnessing your own breath. Of course, breath awareness might not be comfortable for you. It might not feel supportive, especially for your nervous system. So you might choose to listen to your heartbeat instead. You might choose to listen to the sounds around you. Maybe just the sound of your breath. You might notice the clothes on your skin or the air on your skin. Just picking one thing to witness to start to shift your way out of doing and into a space of just deeper embodied presence. And as you witness your breath or witness your present moment, however you're choosing to do so, you might start to notice 
different parts of your experience. You might notice the sensations of your physical body, the emotions or the energy that you're carrying or sitting with right now, and even the thoughts. And all of these pieces of the experience, the wholeness of your experience, are just as natural as the breath. No judgment for any of them, especially the thoughts. We are humans with human minds, so you don't have to try to force the thoughts out. You just witness them like you would witness the breath and allow them to go just like the exhale moves out after every single inhale. Just watching the dance of your own experience and in witnessing all of it without judgment, starting to open up to your own wholeness, your own humanness, messiness, wildness. Now that you've established your container of awareness, I'll invite you to bring your awareness to the palm of your right hand, turned upward, facing the skies. Just notice your right hand. So many nerve endings in the palms and fingers. So just allow all those nerve endings in your right hand and the way they kind of vibrate and undulate. Allow that to guide your focus to your right hand. Feel the heaviness of it, the density of this part of your human body. And then with your awareness in the right hand, use your creative imagination to visualize holding the sun in your right hand. The right side of the body is associated with the sun, with the kind of sacred masculine principle, which is not really about gender. It's about an essence. It's about a feeling. It's about an experience. And of course, the sun is fiery. It's energetic. It's powerful. It's external. It is a container, right? The sun provides a container of gravity for all the planets. So that's kind of what we're working with as you envision the sun in your right hand. Perhaps you see this sphere of fiery light, just reds and oranges and yellows, just dancing just a few inches above your right palm. Perhaps you even imagine that you feel the warmth of the sun just warming your right palm. And maybe with your breath, you imagine carrying that warmth to the whole right side of your body, this sun side. Right leg, right arm, right ribs, right side of your back, right shoulder, right side of your jaw and, and teeth and face. Just the warmth of the sun powering and igniting the right side of your body. And then maybe take a moment to say thank you to your right side, your sun side, for teaching you about this power and this light. And then I'll invite you to shift your awareness now to your left hand. Again, just letting all those nerve endings kind of travel your focus to the left hand, the left palm, and feeling the density of it, the weight of this hand. And you imagine now holding the moon 
in your left hand. Left side of the body is associated with the moon, the feminine principle. Again, much less about gender, much more about the essence. Nurturing, soft, moving, creative, vibrant, internal, reflective. These are the qualities we're calling on here as you use your creative imagination to envision this silvery orb with all of its craters and mysteries glowing just a few inches above your left palm, turning just as the moon turns in the sky. And perhaps you feel that cooling essence bringing coolness into your left palm like liquid silver. And maybe you use your breath your intention, your awareness to carry that cooling sensation all throughout the left side of your body. Left arm, left leg, left side of your back, left ribs, left shoulder, left side of your neck and face, just the cooling nectar of the moon saturating this moon side of your body sitting in that saturation with breath. And if your thoughts take you out of it, the breath will bring you back to it and you can come back to it as many times as you need to. then perhaps you say thank you to this left side, this moon side of your body for teaching you about this reflective nectar of the moon. And then you bring your awareness to the heaviness and reality of both palms. And then very slowly, just as intentionally as you can, a moving meditation, a moving prayer, a puja, you slowly start to circle your palms up toward your chest and toward each other like magnets slowly attracting. Take your time and see if you can stay in that space of awareness of the essence and energy of both right and left. Just the significance of these two kind of opposing forces as they slowly move toward each other. And then finally, your palms touch. You bring your thumbs to the center of your chest, pranam, prayer pose, and duality becomes wholeness. The sun and moon become an eclipse. These two opposing ideas shed their layers, shed the false notion that they are separate at all and become wholeness, integration. And it happens right here at the center of your chest. The chest is also the center of the chakra system, the seven major energy centers that live along the spine. The heart is right in the middle, inherently a place of wholeness and integration. And so you drop your awareness right into the center of your chest, the weight and heat of your thumbs, bringing a little kind of just nudging your focus toward that center space. You just imagine pouring the dual but not separate light of the sun and the moon right into the center of your chest, just illuminating the space within you where you digest your emotions, where you practice love and compassion and gratitude, and where you practice wholeness. 
Just breathing into that space, imagining maybe the breath moving straight in through the center of your chest, straight out through your shoulder blades over and over, just saturating the heart space with awareness and breath. Sitting in your own heart, in your own container of wholeness right here and right now. And so many times when we feel deeply, especially when it's heartbreak, right? When it's painful, we feel it deeply right here at the center of the chest. It might be a joy or elation. It might be heaviness, but we feel so many of our big feelings in the center of wholeness, the center of the chest, the heart. And so perhaps that makes the heart the ideal container for us to practice sitting with ourselves exactly as we are, the wholeness of our wild and wonderful experience, and practice sitting with life, sitting with reality exactly as it is, the wholeness beyond duality, the wholeness of all things. Being courageously willing enough to say okay to the messy, complicated, complex, multifaceted wholeness of existence. To stay here with your sweet, tender, intentional awareness at the center of your chest, this container in which you practice wholeness. I'm proud of you for practicing wholeness. You can release your palms and take a deep breath in through your nose. Ground your energy with a big sigh out of your mouth. Two more. One more with the biggest sigh. You can start to blink your eyes open. Wiggle your body around. Kind of working out the stiffness that might come with stillness. Just coming back into the room that you're in. But perhaps you try to hold that awareness of the center of your chest. What I've been taught so gratefully, um, so I'm so thankful for these teachings, um, but what I've been taught is that the effects of the meditation don't just fly away the minute we open our eyes and the formal practice ends. We are the containers that are capable of holding them, holding the effects of meditation uh, th- in every moment. And that's kind of the point of meditation is that it 
we go into deep space to then pour ourselves into a deeper life. So perhaps as you come back, you continue to notice, even with your eyes open, even with, you know, all the the factors of life starting to pull you out in all these directions of duality, maybe you still hold that focus at the center of your chest, just an awareness of this container for your own wholeness that is a doorway you can walk through again and again. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>